Signs of the Southland, Monday, December 5th, 2022. Let's cut to the chase, gentlemen. Georgia Tech has hired a new head football coach. It is not the one that we talked about last week. It is the one we actually talked about in the midweek episode, Mr. Brent Key. We have with us Ken Segura from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution to talk all about it. Ken, how are you? How's it going? Uh, doing well. Um, it's been a busy week, a couple weeks, but uh, but glad we're we're through this search and kind of curious to see what's what's next for for Georgia Tech uh, and the football team. Absolutely. So can you walk us through the before we get into the presser because I know that mm-hmm. was earlier today. Can we can you walk us through a little bit of the process to get here to get to this morning? Sure. Like how how Brinke was hired? You're asking? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I, I will say this. First of all, they they did a really good job. Jay Bad and the you know all the people involved with the search did a very good job of of keeping things under wraps. Um, you know, I you know certainly he he was hired. What was it? October twenty. He started October twenty fourth, I think it was, and probably from that point on was was in various ways uh, conducting a search. Like I you know. I don't know a ton about it, but I know for for instance, he was. You mentioned this today at the press conference. I think he was very observant and paying a lot of attention to to Brinke and the football team and what was going on there and asking a lot of questions and trying to figure out is this is this could this be the right person? I understand also that that he interviewed at least three other candidates: uh, Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina, Willie Fritz from um, from Tulane, and uh, Bill O'Brien from Alabama, the offensive coordinator. I don't know quite when those happened, but then, so, you know, the season ended uh, last Saturday with a loss to Georgia, um, you know, the day after, no, 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 it was, it was that night. I learned, I'm sorry, it's my son getting ice cream. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I learned that, yeah, that, that things were getting serious with, with Willie Fritz and Tulane. Um, I, I, you know, I, and I reported that Saturday, I, I reported the next day that a deal was in place. I don't know, you know, looking back, I'm not 100% sure that I can stand by that, but I do know that that he was, things were moving forward with him. Um, so that was Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, Monday, uh, you know, I don't know quite where things stood. Uh, and then Tuesday, obviously, was when, when, uh, when Brinkie was announced as, as head coach. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this the search probably centered on those four guys. It looked like Willie Fritz was maybe moving forward, and then for whatever reason, uh, it, it stopped. I think you know, I will say this: um, Jeff Schultz of the Athletic he texted with Willie Fritz and um, asked him what had happened, and I, th- I think he said something along the lines of, you know, that he was ready to go, or or it looked like things were in place, but that. Uh, Tech wanted him to uh, come, you know, to make it official that week, and he did not want to do that because he wanted to coach the team, you know, Tulane's team in the AAC championship. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not verifying. I'm just saying that's what right. what uh, Willie Fritz said to, to, said to Jeff or by text. Um, and then, yeah, then the next, so that was on a, I guess you put that on Tuesday, but yeah. So, and ultimately, you know, obviously, you end up with Brent Brinke. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the 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 bones of it um you know i think obviously a lot of people are happy with with his hire is he did a good job i think we can all agree coaching the team over the last eight games and you know certainly his 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 
being an being an alumnus is is passion for the for the school and the team. It can't be questioned. And I think too, um, one thing that I noticed, and it was it was hard to miss over the course of his uh, eight games. It was very clear he he had a plan, um, and and wasn't just thrown in and kind of was flying by the seat of his pants. But he had clear ideas of what he wanted to do, and I'm sure that was. Uh, you know, made clear also to to Jay Bad and and in the, in the process for him making the decision. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely, uh, kind of interesting to compare and contrast the the first day vibes uh, versus the last versus the last tenure. I thought um, just in terms of winning the the press conference, if you will, I thought he 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 did a really strong job. Not that not that the last one wasn't either, but in terms of the content, it seemed very focused on his process, his plan, and his passion. Um, and, and I'm curious if you had any, you know, uh, just insight from being there, you know, the 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 atmosphere around around the day. What what did that kind of like look like outside of, I guess, the 45 minutes that that one of the, uh, you know, one of us who weren't in the room would have seen? Um, well, I mean, I think he captured a lot of it. Uh, he, you know, he laid out his vision and he said, you know, he, he wants to build the team into a, I think Tina wins ACC championship. Um, we talked about, you know, the things you, I guess most fans will want to hear about the team that he wants to play fast and be aggressive and attack. And um, one thing that stuck out to me is he said that he wants to be a team that other teams, you know, was don't want to play. And, you know, when you see the yes, Georgia Tech in the schedule, you, you don't want that week to come. And so that was, you know, there's different ways of, of describing what you want out of your team, but that was that was something that that certainly captured my attention, and I'm sure meant something to a lot of fans too. Um, and then obviously, yeah, I'm sure that what I wrote about, you know, soon after the press conference, what I'm sure a lot of Tech fans are are interested or eager to hear was that he, you know, he referenced there's another opponent in the state that he wants to that'll spend 365 days a year to to beat and ultimately dominate. Um, <laughs> And it was interesting, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things, it's it's the elephant in the room, you, you can't shy away from talking about Georgia, but, you know, you can also, you could, you, you could have done that in a much safer way, I guess, of saying, you know, we respect Georgia, and it's great having them in the state, because they're, a, you know, a great competitor, and we want to do our best to measure up and ultimately beat them, and, and I think that would have been a good answer, too. But to to say you want to dominate Georgia, which you know we all know how 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 much of a machine that's become, they've become. Um, yeah, that's uh, you know it's something I'm sure that that got fans excited, and and we'll see whether it takes place or not. But certainly, I think it's one of those things that you know when you when you set when you set your sights high, even if you don't get there, you're, you're you know not to say that they won't, but when you set your sights high and if you end up being almost as good as George, I think most tech fans would be be delighted with that outcome. So, um, so yeah, those are some of the things I think, uh, yeah, generally the, I think fans were excited, you know, or I should say that I think there were, there were some alumni and donors and, and, you know, tech staff, um, and a couple, a few players were there and coaches. And I think, yeah, the vibe was, was, you know, excited and, and hopeful and, and ready for, for a new chapter to start. On the, I guess from the fan front, I was excited that he like didn't necessarily. I think I like his answer better than just saying we acknowledge they exist because he's like that wasn't he wasn't quitting on the game before it happened either. Like you still you still right. got to play it and, and yeah you want to win and I, I critically he didn't guarantee a win. That was what I told Georgia fans friends of mine. I'm like you didn't guarantee anything. Right. But he at least went as far as 
yeah, we don't want to be the sore losers every year in that in that department there. Um, going back on the the search part, I, I, mm -hmm. so I guess if we if from my understanding, so we got or at least uh, Bat got down pretty far down the line with Fritz. Mm -hmm. um, in a sense, were we, was it just a news leak away from that still going <laughs> on? Like it seems like like at least from what I picked up, it was just like just because Fritz. That came out so soon and a, mm -hmm. way before their their next game. That was just like it, they weren't. He wasn't going to budge. Now that it seemed like he was quitting on the team before the most important game of their season. So, right. in a sense, if that held under wraps, would it have moved on? Do you think, or was this like Bat's preferred guy, or was it like uh -huh. okay, we're, they were still feeling the waters and Key was absolutely still in consideration by the time you had said that Fritz was probably the guy. Right. Um. That's one of those things that. Uh... I'll leave this to someone else to speculate about. Um, I mean, I, you know, certainly it it looked very much, you know, and I, I the you know the information that I got on the thing was very credible um, that things were moving forward with Fritz. I don't know for mm -hmm. sure that one hundred percent it meant that he was going to get hired and, right, and okay. the news breaking, you know, foiled things. Um, I, I I would guess it's conceivable, but uh, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, it's, it's I, yeah, it's one of those things that I think, you know, uh, Jay Bat and and Dr. Cabrera and Willie Fritz, probably the three of them know the truth, and yeah, and until one of them, you know, says here's what happened, and or, or maybe well, actually, well, I mean, I guess to some degree, Willie Fritz kind of did say what he felt happened, but until Jay Bat or or, or Dr. Cabrera say, you know, and and here's what happened, and here's the proof, or whatever. I, I guess it's hard right. to know. Yeah, yeah. fair. Yeah, it, I mean, maybe it does all come down to timing, right? Like you're looking at that Cincinnati two-lane game a couple weeks ago on, on Rivalry Week as a effective AAC playoff uh, or AAC championship game semifinal, right? And maybe a couple of different hires go different ways, right? Cincinnati's head coach, Luke Fickle, heads to Wisconsin instead of Jim Leonard getting hired there as the head coach. Um, Fritz and Fritz and Tech had their thing. I mean, now Scott Satterfield out of Louisville is now at Cincinnati. So you can kind of draw this web, right? Of that single AAC game having so much of a cascading effect over some of the hires in the cycle. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would wonder um, if uh, if Tech had, or excuse me, if Tulane had not been playing in the AAC game title game, would could things have have shaken out differently? I, again. You know, we we won't probably ever fully know the answer to that, but uh, but yeah, it it it's a good question. Yeah, I uh, I don't want to belabor those points too much for for podcast listeners, just because um, at, at least my opinion on the whole search is you know I I just wanted to get to the end uh, to have Jay Bat and uh, Angel Cabrera get up on the podium and say this is our guy, this is what he's going to do. Uh, I think. They were very clear in 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 what they saw and and, and what they were what they were doing um, and uh, and yeah not to I, I don't know it just feels like it's almost refreshing that it's over and and I don't know <laughs> how the three of you feel about that but at least at least for me like I'm excited to know what comes next I think is my biggest takeaway other than you know just generally in, enjoying what 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 Key had to say today enough to listen to it twice so. <laughs> I'll jump. I'll jump in and just say, at least from the fan sense, this is the first time in a solid two years, at least for me, at least that it's felt like there was a very, very, very clear sense of direction of where this program was going to go. 
Um, I guess there was a reorientation once Collins was gone. It's like, okay, we at least have something to work with. But we weren't sure of the definite end game there because we knew there was still this whole process to come. So I don't know if, Ken, if you felt, or at least what you, if you gleaned a similar, I guess, feeling out of the program that it's like, okay, now we have, there is a cardinal direction that's definite right. that exists now relative to the last couple of years where there was, just to put it lightly, a lot of things going on off the, <laughs> on and off yeah. the field that were distracting. Um, yeah, I, would say, I mean, certainly, yeah, when you have a new guy and he's saying, here's where we're going, that that's really makes it very clear to, to all involved that this is the direction of the team. And I'm, and you know, I think when, when Jeff Collins was hired, uh, it was the same sort of thing where he explained, you know, here's who we're going to be and here's how we're going to get there and so forth. And, um, you know, yes, it's funny. I was thinking about this. Uh, yeah, I guess you can, can decide if it's funny or not. Uh, but, you know, th- those opportunities were the a coach is saying, you know, here's where we're going and here's, you know, um, where we're going to go next. And, and these are strengths, these are weaknesses. Um, they typically only happen when a coach gets hired. Um, you know, I, I guess sometimes there's, you know, the, the, there's the post that's, you know, the end of the season postmortem where, you know, the coach has a press conference and talks about, you know, all sorts of different things, who's injured and are you going to have fire this coach or that coach and, and how's the recruiting class coming together. But there's, it's not really, there's no like kind of state of the team, um, you know, message typically, uh, at least not when communicated as, as thoroughly as what, what Brink he did today. And I would wonder sometimes that maybe that would be useful for, for a coach to do that. I mean, you know, just to not just to give a press conference for, for the sake of it, um, for the sake of, saying, you know, here's where we are and here's where we're going. And I feel good about this, this, and this, and, you know, we've got these challenges and so forth, but, um, but yeah, to answer your question though. Yeah. I mean, to, to, you know, I think, like I was saying before, one thing that I, I, I certainly saw with, with Brent was that I think he had a very clear idea of, you know, if I get the chance to be a head coach at Georgia tech, here's how we're going to do it. And, you know, he, he had, you know, probably three plus years of ideas of, you know, I, I'd want to change this and that. And, and so, um, you know, we're kind of now all seeing, a, a, you know, a bigger um, version, I guess, of, of, of that plan. Yeah. And that kind of leads into this next <clears throat> stage, right? We, we've hired a new head football coach. Tech has a, it was starting to build a new staff. We saw uh, offensive coordinator Chip Long and I believe the defensive line coach, Del Alexander, both were let go last week. So wide receivers, wide coach, receivers. Yeah. Yeah. Wide receivers. Yeah. I need to learn how to read better. Computer yeah. <laughs> science degree doesn't help with that. Yeah. Wide receivers coach, Alexander, excuse me, uh, both let go last week. So you're looking at rebuilding significant portions of an offensive, uh, of an offensive staff um, and setting sort of an offensive tenure, right? It's, un- I mean, I think there were some, um, there was some rumor mongering about Chris Winkie and his role moving forward, but Obviously, nothing that is super concrete, so that still remains to be seen. And, I, and on top of that, the transfer portal is open uh, as of today. Right. So um, th- that's another thing that to, to look forward to. Did you get a sense, I don't know, from a, from the press conference or uh, maybe some other stuff with Brett Key of how Tech wants to use the transfer portal um, to help build up this roster heading into next year? Um, no, and I, I kind of wish I'd 
asked something along those lines about, you know, what is your plan with recruiting in the portal? Um, because, yeah, I don't think he's, I mean, he obviously, he, he, I think he'd mentioned the plan to use it, um, but I don't think he said, you know, we're going after these types of players, we're going to go young or old. I, I mean, I think, yeah, so it, I, I don't, I can't answer that, you know, from from the perspective of what Frankie plans to do, but um, but certainly, I mean, they've they do have holes to fill. Um, you know, they're they're losing Charlie Thomas and uh, Ayanda Ely, and potentially, you know, actually they also lost Demetrius Knight, who went in the port, who left the team in the midseason, um, and receiver. You know, if Nate McCollum ends up leaving. They've lost him and Ryan King um, and Kalani Norris, who left the team midseason. Um, so they've, you know, they've got some some depth there to get. You know, they're at, um, you know, they, I think quarterback too. You could, I'm sure you could add another body. They or they, they haven't they haven't gotten a commitment from a high school quarterback yet. So those are all areas where they could go. But as far as like a, a you know laid out plan of here's how we're going to use the portal, uh, he didn't you know he did not bring that up. Yeah, maybe maybe that's part of the reason why Tech wanted to name someone as quick as possible, right? To take advantage of that period right before today um, mm -hmm. to go through the roster, do some analysis, and do some of that, just to borrow, I guess, a really bad consulting term, like a SWOT analysis, like a mm -hmm. strengths, weaknesses, <laughs> obstacles. What's the third one? Jake, you're a consultant. You know what the other one is. I'm, I'm not a strategy consultant. I just... <laughs> Make big spreadsheets, buddy. I did SWAT <laughs> charts every day at Shellers. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Threats. There that's we go. Yeah. There we go. But yeah, like uh, that's maybe that's why they wanted they wanted someone in place early. But um, I I think the the transfer portal and it opening on a specific date feels very much so like a like a soccer transfer window, right? Oh. And, and also being able to have these discussions about okay, where does someone where does a team need to reload? uh and find or add depth pieces i don't know like there's not really a question in this but it's just it's very interesting to free agency compare. as well yeah it, it, i mean it's just very interesting to compare like going from atlanta united having this like having an entire winter to sort of plan out the roster before they get back to work in in february and march compared to georgia tech who now has until like what basically early signing day to figure out high school recruiting and then the rest of the spring to figure out the transfer portal. It's just like a very interesting, like paired case study to do. Hmm. And how both a pro a pro team that has access to a wider international market and a college team that has, it, it has access to a wider market, but it's mainly focused on sort of this immediate, like Atlanta Metro area market in terms of player talent. It's, it's interesting to compare those two strategies. Um, I'm sure there's a very good, paper in there if someone wants to write <laughs> yeah it, it is interesting i mean today was unusual in that like like you're saying before um there hadn't been a, a date when the portal opened and so typically uh last couple of years i guess it's been it's been a you know over like maybe from the middle of season forward uh there's kind of a steady flow of guys going you know saying i'm going i'm transferring and then certainly once the season ends, you know, there's kind of a, a steady flow of guys every day uh, announcing. Um, but yeah, but today was different in that. Yeah, it was just, you know, like today was the day when that was going to, when it was going to happen. And I guess it was, it's different. I don't know all the ins and outs about uh, professional soccer, but 
obviously this is different in that you don't know who's going to show up in the portal. And so, you know, I was on Twitter today and, and I was, I was kind of surprised maybe it shouldn't have been, but it just seemed like there were a lot of guys, I mean, a lot, but there, there's enough players more than I would have expected of not just kids that were transferring because I didn't get to play it at my, in my school. So now I'm leaving, but it was kids that have played and started and done well and maybe have another year left and have decided to leave. And, and, and it kind of, looked, I mean, a little bit, maybe like late Nate McCollum, um, where, you know, you wouldn't have suspected that he would go without knowing too much. But, it, you know, one of those things are like, oh, gosh. So there are a lot of those players that, that that you know, would, would if they stayed, would, would continue to get plenty play, playing time and, and would would do well there. But but have decided to, to throw their throw their name in the hat and see what else is out there. Yeah, makes sense. Um, one thing that I've found really interesting since the transfer transfer portal has kind of liberalized with with football is just seeing how it compares to some of some of these other sports because you know it, it definitely does seem pronounced and um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see how kind of it's affecting the landscape there. I'm, there's not really a question buried in this, but I don't know. It 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 certainly is something I think that the the sport is figuring out as it goes, um, especially as COVID eligibility is still in the system as well. Right. And it, it also looks like it, we always say, well, not we, but like the collective thought is that the most like sport that's the most like European soccer and it's set up is um, college football. And you're sort of starting to see that talent pipeline from the smaller mm schools up levels right i think one of the most notable examples of the uh, of recent years is when um houston baptist sent their entire offensive staff and skilled players to western kentucky uh and then that got bailey zappy drafted and zach kitley took that and took that job um at uh western kentucky as offensive coordinator and then went to texas tech so like you can see this talent pipeline growing with that one free year transfer and the transfer portal. Um, just th- like the overall centralization of high school talent that we see is starting, feels like it's starting to take effect, um, both in like seasoned, proven um, college talent as well. I was going to use Tamara Otsune from the volleyball team as the example, but that, that's a much better <laughs> version and scaled compared to what I had in mind. But but it's but it's all the same principle, right? You're, you're yeah. seeing, uh, like, you don't even have to take, um, like, again, to make a soccer reference, you're not making a coin flip on a kid from the academy. You are taking someone that is you're taking someone that's older, that's a proven commodity that you have comparable game tape on, and can actually sort of measure out how they compare to higher and higher level competition, right? So. It's a it's a more calculated risk in some ways, and it's a it's a savvy strategy um, in a lot of ways. It just ends up being that Georgia Tech is not necessarily on the highest part of that pyramid. I'd say <laughs> um, we'll we'll just have to see how Tech takes advantage of it, not only in, in football, right, but in basketball and baseball right. um, and, and whatever other sports that uh, it. Uh, interacts with the portal in this way and and hope and hopefully that that funnel widens as well once we get to 12 teams and not just four because right now there's only like five schools i think you could realistically assume not assume but guess 
with good certainty at the beginning of the year that like they very well could be playing in the national title against one of those other teams. And so getting it to 12, I hope will help to make it better. I don't know. It's at least, I mean, to use your soccer reference, you know, you got to play for like only three different teams in the EPL to even have a shot. That's just it. Yeah. I have my doubts personally. For us, I would doubt that. But I mean, in general, like who knows, but. I, I have my doubts just because of the way that the sport is set up, but uh, you know I'm I'm open to open to feedback on that one. <laughs> I always get in a nice little nap when they talk about European soccer because I really have nothing to add here. But I'm, <laughs> it sounds good. I, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> it's also American soccer. Don't don't let your beloved Chicago Fire and Chicago Red Stars get out of this unscathed. Yeah, I will say this. I, I remember uh, I. I talked about this a while ago with Josh Pastor about the portal and, and how it's, you know, used by different schools. And I, th I think I remember him saying something along the lines that there's some schools that I think are just going to, I don't know if he said that he knew this would happen or maybe it's, he saw it as being conceivable that they just stopped recruiting high schools because like, like you're saying, actually that um, with college kids, it's a much more of a known quantity and, and, uh, and, so there is it's safer to some degree than than recruiting high school kids, and so um, there's a lot of I can see how that strate strategically could work for you. And so yeah, I think he was saying something like you know you you only you would only recruit high school kids, not even with not even with the intent of signing them, but of just creating a relationship with them. So in the event that a year or two years down the road when they decide okay I'm going to go in the portal, now you already have this. Um, relationship that you can leverage so um yeah so there's there's different ways to play it obviously and you know I, I think well it remains to be seen how brand key will will try to optimize uh what, what georgia tech's you know potential is but uh but yeah there's it's uh it is an interesting kind of time right now with with college sports and football and basketball in particular before we wrap up when the president of the institute says, "I won't acknowledge the premise of your question," how as someone who's trying to go to press conferences, how do you respond to that? What do you do in that moment? I never That's, want to get there, but uh, that, was, I, I, that was that all. I think we all chuckled at that. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm I glad you too when that happened as well because that was pretty funny. Yeah, um, yeah. So I guess to for a little bit of context, I asked Dr. Herrera about what something he'd said. It said now a couple of times about doing any being willing or committing to doing anything he could. To support the the sports or the athletics program in football and to becoming you know one of the best in the country and I you know I said you you said that and there but there are also reports that um, that uh, that that there were candidates who you know balked at the con contract offers that they were being extended right. and I said how do you reconcile the two and yeah and he said I I, re <laughs> I reject the premise of your question uh, I guess because he's not going to talk about the details of the search which you know is fine um i guess i've 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 experienced that sort of uh pushback enough that when he said it you know i i'd like to think he wasn't personal um right and actually it's funny i saw him as i was walking to my car and he, we waved and you know we had to have a friendly exchange of hellos so um i don't think he, he you know he was trying to diminish me or whatever yeah, I think so, he was being in best interest of the institute at that right point. perhaps so, so. everyone's doing their there. jobs here right yes. right yes um but yeah uh i yeah i i i was fine with it i mean he you know whatever he was going to answer was 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 worth reporting on so whether he said 
oh, funny you should ask. Here's my explanation. I would love that. But if he says I reject the premise of your question, that's also, you know, an answer in and of itself. So I, I have no issues with it. Cool. I, I feel like there was a lot of subtext in uh in the press conference, whether it's talking about, you know, not not embarrassing Georgia Tech or um just a couple other things that that popped out of like, huh, like there's just a lot of lot of play. I I, I think Maybe the first time around with hiring a football coach, I didn't really appreciate all the moving parts that were at hand that I kind of see in the second time around here with uh, with Coach Key. Uh, yeah, I mean, and certainly as as Brent Key, uh, you know, spoke with us over the course of the season, there were certainly things you could pick up on and that you could reasonably guess were were was commentary on on Jeff Collins' tenure and perhaps I was as well. But uh but yeah, um yeah, I think yeah, I think sometimes yeah, the things that are said that maybe are the most meaningful aren't always said, you know, with the exclamation point in all caps. You're, I think you're right. Yeah. Or Twitter hashtags. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's about it from us. Thank you, Ken, for for joining us tonight. Is there anything you wanna you want to plug uh before we get out of here? Um, not necessarily. I mean, we're always eager to have more subscribers to the AJC. Uh, you can go on AJC.com and I, I should know exactly how to get to the, to that part of the, to the website, but if you, I'm sure it's very clear for you to find and, and I'm on, on Twitter at, uh, K-S-U-G-I-U-R-A-A-J-C and I'm always welcome to, I was happy to interact with, with followers and, and talk, uh, Georgia Tech. So, but thank you guys for having me on as always. It's always fun to talk to Georgia Tech with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on tonight, Ken. And you bet. And with that, it is time to talk Section 103. As always, we love Section 103, and we are so excited to tell you all about it. Uh, I think it's only fitting today to talk not only about some of the new stuff, but some of the slightly less new stuff, uh, that being the Coach Key hoodie. Um, those are perfectly in line with our previous conversation with Ken uh, and they are back. Uh, they can be pre-ordered now per the site. They have it in short sleeve or long sleeve, or you could turn your long sleeve into a short sleeve uh, DIY. Not sure why you do that, but you definitely can. It is an option that exists. Uh, Steven and the gang are phenomenal free shipping on orders over 70 bucks every day. We love working with them and all of their Tremendous content. Check them out. Section103.com at Section103. As always, best place for Georgia Tech gear and the preferred partner of Cylon. Scions of the South. Welcome back to Scions of the Southland. Gentlemen, earlier this weekend, the team we all support found itself thoroughly outmatched and outplayed in a winnable game in a knockout competition that was poised to be a statement about the program itself. I'm, of course, referring to the Georgia Tech women's volleyball team who went up to the Marquette Regional this weekend, beat Wright State 3-0 in a nice little sweep, and then lost in a sweep to number four Marquette. Mr. Purdy. Walk me through the weekend for volleyball. Well, they fly up on Tuesday. They flew up on Tuesday, two days before their game. Um, Wednesday, they had media availability. Uh, me, Ken was also on the Zoom, uh, Rod, a couple other folks. Um, and, I mean, we just got the sense that, I mean, I asked I asked them directly, like, what was, like, what what is the barometer of success 
for this tournament for y'all. And Julia immediately said, win the whole thing. Like that, that was, that was, it was very much win or bust for these girls. Um, and they said the same thing at the preseason presser too. So like, uh, expectations did not change. Goals did not change. Uh, and then they get match up with Wright State. I mean, they also, I think they got a little, if they don't lose to Miami, I think we're, that they're hosting games and not Marquette. I mean, Marquette was three spots behind Tech in the fine, in the most recent AVCA rankings. So, um, something, the committee saw something there. Uh, but we got lined up with Wright State, who was the Horizon champ, uh, who probably was going to be the only, the only the only reason they were there was because they won the Horizon and not because they were that good. Um, they had some pretty inflated advanced statistics, but I think just because of, that's just because of the quality of competition in the Horizon and that they were able to just rack up points and look better than they were relative to the rest of the competition. Um, and we just beat, the, I mean, they, they beat the crap out of them 3-0. Like, it wasn't. It was, I mean, it definitely in the easiest matches of the season by far. Um, and then had Marquette the next day, uh, who we, we don't, they were neck and neck the entire first set, like right up there. Um, and then just lost three points at the wrong time, and they lost 25 23. That was that. They had a 23 22 lead as well. Um, and I think a 6 2 lead to start the set. Um, and that was about the only good thing that happened the entire way. Um, by the third set, Marquette, I think they won. I think seven. I it was this is in my recap, but I think they won seven of the first nine, and one girl had five kills in that stretch. Um, so they were they were just getting whatever they wanted. The offense never got clicking. They were never in system. The hit percentage was under two hundred percent, which is just woeful for Tech. They usually are at around like two thirty or so, two forty, depending on when you average the really hard games and the easy games. Um, we lost the fifth set for the second time. The second set for the fifth time all season. Um, which I did also ask, I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but I asked Coach Collier about why do you guys keep winning the second set? Like, well, what's the deal here? And she didn't have, like, a real answer. She had also had no idea that they had only lost four times in the second set, which is fewer than the number of total losses they have all season. Uh, so I, that revealed to me they maybe as a, as a team have some ways to go on that front. But in general, um, but she had a good answer beyond that, just, like, understanding the nature of the game and why a team like the, like them would be good in the second set. Um, I'm kind of yeah. distracting from the, the Marquette game because there's not much good to talk about there. Um, that was Breland Morissette's and Julia Bergman's final game in tech uniforms, though. Julia did say in the presser, I guess has before, that this is her final season despite having a COVID year available to her because she's ready to turn pro and is more than skilled to turn pro. So they all, all hats off to her to go for that get, career. and Get that bag. Get, go go, th- get, go that get, bag. get that bag. It's not, it, it's not guaranteed in women's sports still in this day and age, so I – Lauder for making that jump right now. Jack, um, I'm going to give you a second to breathe and just Thank you. do some personal introspection and reflection from a time when I was probably one of about 40 or 50 people in the stands for one of those non-con tournaments. And, you know, four or five years ago, we weren't scheduling quite as hard when we played. I believe the weekend was Alabama State, Idaho State, and oh gosh, who's the third one? Mm. I don't know. I can't remember who the third team was, but it would. It, we used to play a lot of games like Wright State, and I think it it's kind of a, a statement in and of itself against, uh, or not against, but for just kind of the, the year we've had and, and kind of zooming out a little bit broader of a picture to be in a place where, you know, a second round showing at the NCAA tournament was honestly a little disappointing. Um, and. Yep. I, I think that speaks to the quality of not just where the program's at, but how fast it got there too. Um, 
yeah, it was disappointing to, to miss the tournament uh, fall of 2019. Um, pretty heavy politicking on our part. That RPI wasn't really there, though, so I kind of got it. But like that NIVC banner, like that was actually you and I made a lot of made a lot of made a lot of that. noise about that uh, on our little corner of the Internet. I was I was very satisfied that our uh, like like winning that tournament meant that this team was ready for the next level. That was the way that I felt about it. Even if the NIVC was not like, it, it doesn't necessarily have the same like quality. Let's say to use another soccerism, it doesn't have the same quality as like a as the NIT in, in basketball. But it's still something, right? It's still a very competitive tournament. Yeah. Um, and they went in and won the whole damn thing. So. Yeah, I think uh, the. This podcast has long, first and foremost, been a volleyball podcast from even before they were exceptional. So it's it's exciting, but I, I think it'll be very interesting uh, to see kind of how this team turns a leaf with uh, with what they've got to replace in terms of Bergman and arguably what they're still trying to figure out in a post-Brambia uh, world, too, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting spot to be. I mean, they, they, this last year's team, I, I think, is was better now in the hindsight of just in terms of talent between McKissick and Brambia still being there and being able to more spot use Bertolino and not, I mean, her defense came into form in a big way this year. Um, and I think out, I think outweighs, I haven't looked at the, the WPA to see if it actually did outweigh the decreasing offensive output and just chances she was getting. Um, mm-hmm. like her hit percentage went way down this year. It's in the ones compared to last year was in the twos. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think with, and uh, the team was so Bergman focused too. Like it was yep. just, that was just, I mean, she is undoubtedly, I mean, as far as I know, the most popular person on Georgia Tech's campus right now. Like, I guess in terms of the sport world at this point, she is, I mean, technically Matt Whiters maybe might be just because of MLB and he's on taking classes now, but in terms of active playing their main thing right now, people at Georgia Tech, I mean, it's probably her. Um, and that also translates on the court. I mean, I think Ken asked her, Ken asked her as well in the media day before the Wright State game, just like, well, what how, what are you having to adjust to? And she's like, I get double blocked every game now. Like, that that didn't happen before um, because we had other people on the floor that were worthy of double blocks beforehand. Um, and so then we had mm-hmm. to rely on the first full time, Isabel D'Amico's first full year as the setter. Um, and her being essentially the quarterback for all these decisions and repeatedly, repeatedly, they kept going to Bergman, kept going to Bergman, kept going to Bergman. Um, and later and it's year, great to have a safe option like that, but yeah. man. And they kind of figured out, and I, I forgot it was me or someone else that asked this because they had D'Amico, Bergman, and uh, Morissette at this table at the same time before the right State game. But they did mention that, like, yeah, we're, we need to take some of the load off of Bergman going forward because we can, and they know we're going to use her anyways. So let's try to shake things up. Um, so I think... I, not to jump into season grades too fast, but I, all things considered and how this is a, I mean, this is still one of the best individual years of sport a team has had on in Georgia Tech's history. As far as I know, uh, Jake, you might be able to counter me better on that, but three straight 20 plus win seasons is not something to balk at. And we knew this team was going to be good and they, they held serve. They were very, very good. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I could, I could probably just start naming, dude remembering but for seasons uh off the top of my head but knowing that that doesn't make uh anyways you're you're throwing me off um 
the the point you're trying to make is, is very prescient, um, especially when you when you add the very important qualifier of three year span. Uh, this, this phenomenal three year span, and it, it's something that I think I meditate on a lot with college athletics. Is like they're only here three, four, five at the very most years, and like that's the point. It, it just keeps it just keeps turning over, and and, and it's always always going to keep happening. Um, so definitely was fun while it lasted and, and it's on to the next. Cause you, you know, it, I'm not going to say that this is going to happen cause it's probably not, but you know, that there, there could be some regression coming up It happened after the Van Guts left. Um, and, and it's just part of, part of the sport. Um, one thing I did note, uh, I cannot remember for the life of me, um, if it was Kurt Hoyt or someone else, but I, I'm pretty sure it was Kurt on the uh, on the broadcast just noted that the turnover rate where we see a high spike in um, like cyclical cyclical um, graduates is very consistent for Georgia Tech. Um, if if you recall my previous uh, allusion to the Van Gons, uh that being 2016 fall, um, a huge class leaving last year with Brambia and Dowd uh, and and Tippett. Georgia Tech is a very cyclical volleyball program and the fact that um they honestly bridged it into 21 that they didn't do in in 2017 uh 2017 for those that do not recall was a rough year uh, we did beat number 24 michigan state which was which was very exciting but i believe uh wait i have my website hold on i will check our exact uh our exact win percentage but it was it was not certainly or it was certainly not the uh the I guess results that that we've been used to. So I mean, they, it's uh, not I like they that, won twenty games the next year, right? It's not like yeah. they won twenty games and got snubbed from the tournament in seventeen. No. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, that's that's a a certain bounce back. I'm pulling up the win percentage. I'm verbally stalling. Yeah, they went from a about seven fifty win percentage in uh, twenty sixteen down to point. Uh, Four, oh wait, this is in conference play. But the the point stance, they were they were around point four point three um in, in 17, 18. And then uh NIVC first year uh in 2018, won it all in, in 2019, and then uh 2020 through through the present day. I mean it's an active streak, right? Um this is a team that's that's kind of been rebuilding and has had really four great years now, if you count that NIBC. I, I'm rambling at this point, so somebody please save me. Well, let's. I, I, Jack touched on this, but I do want to wrap up with some some grades, uh, as we are want to do at Georgia Tech. Mr. Grant, um, Jack offered his, but he didn't give a letter grade. We'll circle back to him later. What letter grade would you give Tech volleyball this season? It's got to be in the B range. Um, last year does give me some uh, warped view. You know, it, it's. It's something to host. Uh, it's something to make it to the Elite Eight. It's it's something this program's, quite frankly, on, only done twice. Um, I, I think it would be stupid to be overly harsh for this team. Um, they are clearly far and away, um, uh, if not the most, then one of the most, you know, women's tennis might come knocking at our door if I say that um, they're the most consistent. But they're certainly up there. Um, and, and just the fact that they were able to you know, pull this out after losing uh, a number of really, really excellent players. Obviously, it helps to have an all-world talent who will be on a banner very soon. Like mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a question 
Bergman's probably gonna have the biggest banner in the building uh, as soon as they find some space for it, um, which again, great problem to have. But uh, I'd say a B, right? I, I expected more, um, but uh, at the end of the day, you you can't be disappointed with a a, a really solid ranked all year finish and a second round showing to a you know you, you lost to a good team on their home court, and and at the end of the day, that happens to every team but one at some point. Mr. Purdy. Yeah, I hit some points here. I'm going with an A minus. I mean, the schedule. I mean, Kali talked about this how they needed the schedule to be intentionally hard, um, as part of a prove it year, uh, but also to help with their just standing in the in the eyes of the committee at the, at the end of the year and just how they were seen nationally. And I don't think they failed in that regard. Um, they only did win one of those games, and that was the BYU game, um, and oh, two the Illinois game as well. Um, not that, that was part of the Ole Miss. Uh, invitational thing they did at the beginning of the year. Um, so I don't really want to blame the schedule because I feel like they held serve there. I mean, getting to five sets with both Pitt and Louisville turns those games into coin toss games. Um, so replay those games ten times, I I think we win at least five. If not, maybe maybe at least four and five and a half, something like that. Um, so I, I, I don't think we necessarily... I don't think we overly... I don't think we exceeded expectations. I'll say that. Um we had our moments where we definitely underperformed notably in Miami. Um, but that was rare. And Miami was the only time it really like bit us. And so out of 28 games or 29 games, whatever they ended up playing that that only happened once. I don't think I want to knock them to a B grade. Um, Cause that's, that's basically just one question you, that they flubbed on, on this, on this season long exam uh, for me. So, and they, by just nature of the seeding of how the tournament works, they basically got put in the 17 versus 18 game or 16 versus 17 game, which it's no fault of their own. They, that was out of their control outside of just winning games. And they won enough games to prove that they were worthy of being right up there. Um, and even if they did beat Marquette, they had to play Texas next. And they, no one's beating Texas this year, probably. So, I mean, we were either going to be talking about a second round visit, a second round win, and we were going to be doom and glooming about, oh crap, how are we going to beat how we're going to beat Texas and then probably there the next coming back next week about how we lost to Texas and we all it's all coming. Um, so I don't think they got any favors there. That's all hypothetical. You never know. They have to play the game still. Um, so I, I think there is still room to grow. Uh, I think we'll D'Amico is going to be fantastic next year. She was already a very good setter this year. Um, she broke the thousand set mark or assist mark this year. Uh, we still have Bertolino to knock things out. Uh, Otene is only a junior. Uh, so we've got another year of that in theory. Um, there's others that are seniors that I don't know if they're going to do a fifth year or not. So there's still some wiggle room there um, who could be coming back, who is transferring. I don't know. I, I, I only really know about more set and Bergman. That's the only ones I know. I definitely know. So um, a minus year. Love it. Didn't overperform only underperform one time. That's my, th- that's the story. So let's move on to women's basketball. They played two games last week by my count. Uh, they edged out Michigan State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge by, I believe, four points. That margin got very close. It was like two to four points. Uh, and then they beat Belmont by four, I believe, yesterday. Uh, Mr. Purdy, you told me that you watched the Michigan State game. So uh, what would you see? Uh, it was back and forth. Um, just It was just tight the whole way. Um, Aisha Wona Aronaut has taken uh, Norea Hermosa's starting spot. She started these last two games. Uh, we're operating now on a four-guard, one center, or one, how was it, four-guard, one, however they do it. There's no center. Four guards, one forward now. We're just not using a center anymore in Hermosa, um, which I, considering the rebounding problems, 
um, and just the lack of physicality that was needed underneath the boards for defensive rebounds. I, I think that makes sense. Um, and Aronaugh has size and she has physicality. She's not the fastest, but neither was Hermosa. Um, so maybe maybe doesn't necessarily help on the getting down the court fast, um, like Coach Alverson had mentioned in one of our previous pods of what they want to do. Uh, but considering you have Bianca Jackson and Cam Swartz who can combine for 39 points in a game like they did against Michigan State, you've got wiggle room there to be good on the defensive end as well. Um, and that's what happened. We won 66-63 on the road after winning three straight road quote-unquote road games in Fort Myers, or not at home games, um, then had to turn around, go do that. Um, now we're six, they were 6-2 six and two at that point. Uh, and Swartz, I mean, Swartz gets... The thing I've noticed this year, Swartz gets off the jump really quick. She has an early... She always has an early three. She gets her points early, and then defenses will kind of figure out how to adapt to her. But she comes... She, she, gets, us, she gets us quick points. This was not a thing we had last year. It was just the person that could get us really quick points no matter who we were playing. Um... And that's good. That's gonna. That's just a huge difference, and I love it so much. Um, there was forty-eight turnovers that game, though. Yeah, forty-eight total. That so, was. It was so messy. The fact that there was a hundred and twenty-nine points scored is a miracle, honestly. With how many turn? I mean, Michigan State was just giving the ball back to us, and then we would have not as rough t- turnovers, but they were still coming. Um, so also we hit, we shot sixteen of nineteen from the free throw line. Ever heard of a tech basketball team shooting 16 of 19 from the free throw line? No, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm told that's throw, illegal. The free throw line this. is a black hole where points go to die. I, I know. I know. Um, I forgot if you asked me about the Belmont game. Do either you want to talk about the Belmont game? Uh, yeah. Let's give you a little bit of time to breathe. Yeah. After I just kind of go. I'm so, I just go on these, man. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm used to Jake doing this for Twin Meets, and uh, that might be a spoiler for later. But, yeah. Um, just take a little minute to breathe while we talk about maybe some of the like stuff around this program. This game was weird. Like it was just very, very weird. Like, it, like you said, it was very back and forth. I was, I like caught minutes of it and then I had some stuff to do. So I was watching the game cast and then it got to, it, it was just within five points the entire time. It was. No one could get an edge. And, and I've, I did a little bit of research into Michigan State after the fact because I was like, hmm, do we know how good Michigan State is? Like, how should I feel about this? And my understanding, my vibe on this is that, like, this is a pretty solid win. Michigan State is, like, solid mid-upper table in the Big Ten. Like, not one of your ranked teams, but, like, maybe in the tier. Like They, they had – McDaniel being the point person who solidly just beat us anytime she wanted to with her shooting and – getting to the foul line. So like they had the people to absolutely just destroy you if they needed a bucket. Yeah. But um, you know, can, I, can, I, can I get a, can I get a word in on Michigan state edgewise? Yes, please. Cool. Um, I do want to uh, kind of flavor just a little bit. They are not necessarily a tournament team, but it's, it's a 71 to I've seen them between like a sixties to high to mid 80s uh, in terms of the advanced stats so that's i think a a, a good framing it, it's they're not a tournament team but they're kind of that like knocking on the door kind of range there like sorry tier two like tier two big 10 would you say yes tier two big 10 uh can put up a fight with the big dogs doesn't usually win okay yeah i mean it's it's uh like same on same like on like in that case right with with tech just where tech is as a program especially after 
taking a little bit of a step back uh, after last year. But you, uh, you disagree on I might, I, I might rank us a, a little bit further ahead just because I feel like, you know, Georgia Tech women's basketball last two two years kind of gets them a little bit more of a of a of a leash there well, but year on year I'm, like resume on year on year yeah 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 okay okay that's that's fine I'll, I'll i'll allow it okay uh belmont game mr purdy what you got uh we did not turn the ball over 23 times this time just nine times so a uh, big improvement there 12 of 16 from the free throw line so still far more consistent than on average uh so to say, uh, Aisha won an aeronaut was a big plus minus. She's plus eight in both these games. This is now two or three games. She's been either she either the, the last game in Fort Myers. She basically took over for took over for Nerea and was the biggest plus minus in that game. And then she was the biggest plus minus here at plus eight for us. Um, and this was in a close game, so it, like that was clear. This was a fifty nine fifty five game. Um, she she only played eighteen minutes, but eighteen impactful minutes. Um, the NCAA does not post, at least Tech does not post, like, the full roundup of all the advanced stats or, like, the full stat thing that you can get for men's games, which is really saddening because um, there's a lot more I could find otherwise. But um, though Schwartz was 7 of 18 getting buckets out. Tony Morgan's Tony Morgan's been fantastic. She plays a lot of minutes. She gets her shots off, um, and she's good from the line, critically. Um, I mean, that's the fact we can make these free throws is huge. And, and Belmont made more free throws than us. Um, they had only two more chances. Um, but we're just making enough finally to not make it a black hole. These last couple of games have shown that. And we have another our next team's at home, thankfully. Um, so hopefully that translates uh, as well. So, yeah, I didn't. This one I wasn't able to watch visually. Um, so I was just kind of banking off the banking off the recaps and whatnot. But but we beat ba- Belmont twice in a week. Um, and they were a team that uh, Coach. Fortner mentioned specifically in pregame pressers and like with the schedules looking and just tough parts about the schedule. Um, we've talked about how tough they can be and we beat them in a neutral site and on the road. Um, so it, th- there's something changed here in Fort Myers that worked as, as my guess. And I cannot wait to talk to them and just see what happens when we play central Michigan, because uh, they made their changes. I guess they found their rhythm and rotation and it's working. I mean, these are not bad teams we're playing, so this is these are very, very good test cases going into ACC ball, um, which looks to be only getting harder now that I've, I've seen that Notre Dame beat UConn this week, and we we gave them a good fight last year. It it seems like the the ACC is going to be pretty wide open too, with a very good Louisville team getting throttled right, by right. Mid, Middle Tennessee um, th- this week as well. One thing I do want to note for for our loyal listeners. Do not pin too many hopes on the Central Michigan game. They are at 303rd in RPI. Um, that should be that should your expectations there should be similar to your expectations from the Northeastern basketball game last Friday. Is that we'll fair, Jens? We'll get there. I, I I'm I'm just trying to tie it in to to you know paint the full picture. But. I think it's a good segue. I'm I'm done with women's. I got I got no more. Well, I, there was a joke I wanted to make about aggregate scoring and playing Belmont twice in a week. And anyway, the, the the moment has passed. Mr. Grant, tell me about men's basketball. Let's flip over to that side of the coin before we go over the schedules. Let's start with the Northeastern game, like you mentioned. Yeah, so Northeastern, that was Friday, um, headed into the city for that myself. So I, I was there. Hold on, no, 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 no. Hold on, time out, time out. Headed into the city as if you live in like Alpharetta, come on, come on. I feel, I feel like I live on Mars. This is a lot for me. Um, so I, I'm- Don't dox yourself, but continue. Anyways, 
I've only done that like eight times on this podcast. Thank goodness I've moved since then. Anyways, um, so we did play Northeastern. Uh, they were also the Huskies, and their uniforms did look very similar to Northern Illinois. So if you thought you'd seen this game before, you were probably getting an inkling of correctness. Uh, the the final score was 81-63. The win moved to Georgia Tech to 5-3 on the season. Um, interestingly, those 81 points... Um, that would be Georgia Tech's highest output uh, since the 93-63 Clayton State exhibition. Uh, Georgia Tech men's basketball, traditionally not a very high volume uh, of scoring to, to, to be had. Uh, 81-63 is your margin again there. Uh, in terms of some just individual performers before we start to talk about uh, higher level things, uh, I do want to note uh, Jalen Moore, 16 points. Uh, he he started uh, and joined Miles Kelly, who also had 16 uh, in among starters as being exemplary. Uh, we also had Lance Terry in double figures with 11. He was able to really drive to the basket uh, more than I think we've seen in the past, um, uh, which has been a nice uh, addition for you know somebody who's also been a stand-up shooter. Uh, Debo Coleman, uh, six points, went three of seven uh, on his field goals, notably. 0 for 3 uh, from 3. Jalen Moore was also 0 for 3. A lot of missed three-pointers uh, from our from our starters, but Miles Kelly did go 4 for 5, so he was very much on fire. Uh, 10, a point, 10 points uh, from Jalen Moore came from the free-throw line. Georgia Tech shot a lot of free-throws, and they did go 20 for 26. That is uh, about 77%, but uh, all things considered, I'll take it, because uh, this team has traditionally been uh, a whole heck of a lot worse, and uh, and yeah, you know, I, I think that's a, a good point in uh, in Tech's favor. Other notes, uh, Javon Franklin got the start. Uh, so we started two forwards, Moore and Franklin. Nice little change, uh, getting a little bit more length than the four guard, one forward starting lineup that uh, leaves Tech playing pretty small. Uh, I've seen a lot of questions out there about Rodney Howard. He did have 12 points off the bench in 12 minutes of work. Uh, I, I think the concerns that were noted about him before the season are probably still there. Uh, he did though go four for four from the free throw line boys. I could keep going, but do either of you want to hop in with what we've got so far out there? I do want to hop in uh, mostly because you have in here instead of actual game notes about uh, the big 10 challenge or the ACC big 10 challenge game, versus Iowa, which for Tech was a 81-65 loss. You have in here Jake's thoughts on Glass Onion. And if you spoil this movie for me, I will be very upset. I will be too. I'm not I'm not going to spoil the movie. Um, I, I just thought that'd be funny because instead of watching the first half of the basketball game, uh, yours truly was at Atlantic Station because they did a limited theatrical run uh, before it released on Netflix. Uh, for those of you who have not heard of Glass Onion, uh, it is a follow-up to re uh, Ryan Johnson's uh, Knives Out. Uh, go watch that on whatever streaming service you can find it on. It's phenomenal. Uh, I would say Glass Onion is even better. Uh, and that's about all I'll say because uh, y'all need to go do that for yourselves. And this is a, a spoiler-free podcast. Um, one thing I do want to spoil, though, is uh, some of the celebration about Northeastern. They're one and six after this game. Um, classically, Josh Pastner will never say... Uh, Never, ever, ever, ever say a mean thing about any one of his opponents. Uh, you'd think that they were playing, uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns or something like that based on based on how he talks about their program. But Northeastern should be taken 
with a notable grain of salt, uh, especially considering uh, the wombo combo of teams that we have coming up this week um, in, in terms of in terms of our opponents being. Uh, let's just say they're good. <laughs> Hooray! Well, I would only hand something to one of them, so to speak. Uh, just to go over the schedules coming up for both of these teams, women's basketball first. Central Michigan at home on Sunday, December 11th, followed by Sunday, December 18th at Boston College. Both those games at 1 p.m. Over to the men's side. They will host clean old-fashioned hate tomorrow. So I guess today when you listen to this at 7 p.m., that will be on ESPN2. And then Saturday, December 10th, they will head to the Dean Dome at North Carolina at 3.15 on ESPN. PN. I don't have rankings in front of me, but I assume North Carolina is near the top, even though the ACC this year, from what I've been told, at men's basketball is pretty. Uh, I will say they did fall out of the top 25 uh, from uh, this this most recent rankings that that is out. Uh, North yeah, Carolina not... has played uh, inarguably a uh, tougher schedule tougher schedule than UGA. Um, uh, th- let's just say they ain't play nobody, Paul. Um, oh, that was awful. Never let me do that again. Mm. Um, I'm going to clip that and share that only. In terms of uh, in terms of doing just a, a little bit of, of schedule rating, uh, Georgia Tech is at 133 and adjusted RPI. Georgia is at 176, which is abysmally low for for an ACC program, but is still somehow like five spots ahead of Syracuse. So good job, Jim Beheim. I'm so glad that that is working out for you uh, in year 1 million up in, up in Syracuse um, <laughs> of note. Uh, UGA has come in, is coming into this game, having played nine games. Uh, they are seven and two. Uh, the only teams of note that would jump off the schedule at anyone are Wake Forest, who they lost by 10-2 on the road, and everything else is uh let's just say not as not as inspiring. They're they're seven and two coming into it. So notably uh, competent Wake Forest, by the way. Not something you could have said in previous years. Notably competent Wake Forest. How about that? Yeah. Um played played a couple pretty eh teams close. Georgia Tech catches them at home. Uh, I don't believe Passner has ever beaten UGA at home. So tomorrow would be a good day to change that. Be fun. Would be nice. Gentlemen, uh, some final notes before we wrap up. Mr. Grant, your favorite sport, swimming, back in action this weekend. Yeah, so uh, swimming did previously say they were going to the U.S. Open, but I didn't see anything posted on the site, and they've taken it off the schedule. So uh, go figure. Uh, that uh, is very long result sheet. And uh, if they didn't find anything of interest, uh, I have not either. So uh, go figure on that. And then in terms of track, uh, the men did sweep the 1600 meters. Uh, That was interesting. They were in Clemson at their indoor facility, by the way. Um, So sweeping the 600 meters is very interesting. High jump went one, two, and four with Shanti Papacosta uh, on the women's side, taking the win there. Pretty short in terms of miscellaneous news. But boys, I have... Uh, a brain teaser, a riddle, a Jake was playing around with old stats uh, question. And I thought this was fun last time. So I'm going to keep rolling with these uh, if you guys are game for a quick little brain teaser. I, d- I did ask for this. So 
Let me let me experience my punishment. I did not, but shoot. Uh, okay, okay. So again, for those of you who are uninitiated, uh, I do have a new website that will query Georgia Tech's conference results dating back to the 2016-17 season. Uh, the limitation there being it's a pain in the butt to get all of these results. So if you want to help out with that, I will make that longer. But anyways, for now, that's what we've got. Um, Georgia Tech in in those uh, seven now seven seasons has played in the postseason in seven sports. I will list out the sports. Baseball, men's and women's basketball, men's and women's tennis, softball, and uh, volleyball. Technically, uh, Louisville versus Tech was an ACC matchup last year. Among those seven sports, they have played all fifth, all 14 other conference opponents, be they the ACC tournament, the NCAA tournament, or what have you. Name the one ACC school against which Tech is winless in the postseason. ACC school that Tech is winless in the postseason against. Since 2016-17. Louisville. This is this is great radio, everyone. Just tell me if he's right. I, I no, he he he's not correct. Oh, he's not correct. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus. Two more, two more guesses. Let's say just to yeah, keep okay. this tight. I, uh, not, Jack, see, you I'm, get the next one. Yeah, I'm racking my brain of like who is the well the, the well rounded schools that have the other sports. Um, I'm gonna. They, oh, I will say, I will say, um, between all the sport, all, all the other schools, uh, the sports are represented by all schools. In uh, both of uh, men's and women's basketball, and then between everything else, uh, you're you're gonna get everyone at least four out of the other five times. So okay, I'm I'm gonna don't think I'm, about it like that. I'm gonna shoot for Miami then. Okay, good good call. Um, that is also incorrect. Mm, cool. Okay, last guess. Uh, Florida State. That's uh, also a phenomenal guess given our overall records against those programs. The answer, boys, it's been in front of you the whole time. As soon as I say it, you'll go, of course. And the answer is North Carolina. God. Interesting. This is why putting it in a doc was a bait. It was was an absolute bait because it led me away from guessing North Carolina. That's exactly exactly why I put that. This is the second Uh, straight week. The answer's been in the dock, and I just don't even look at the answer. <laughs> That's why it's great I, uh, radio, gentlemen. That's mm-hmm. why it's great radio. I, I, I do want to uh, appease everyone out there just to give give a little bit of flavor. Georgia Tech uh, does have uh, one win each against Pitt and Notre Dame. Uh, I believe that's one each because it works out to a .25. It might be two for eight. Uh, those are going to be your next lowest. Georgia Tech uh, in the last seven seasons is undefeated against one other team. That would be Virginia Tech. They have never lost in the postseason to Virginia Tech and also have well, well above 500 records against Boston College and Duke and also Syracuse, interestingly. So, yeah, UNC is that glaring outlier without a win. Thank you for indulging me, boys. Gentlemen, I think that about wraps it up for us tonight. It's getting late. Uh, Anything else before we call it quits? I would like to, not not breaking news, but in a sport that I hope we win one day, the UCLA Bruins won the Women's Soccer National Championship since while well, we've been recording. Um, That's exciting. a tougher behind win, too, because North Carolina scored two goals 
in that game. I think they scored pretty early in the first half. Uh, and UCLA scored with 16 seconds left oh, in the man. second half to send it to extra time and then have won in extra time, it seems. so. Can't wait for the well, man and led Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets to do this themselves. Fair enough. No, Not reporting. No reports here. No actual reporting, just speculation. Gentlemen, Mr. Grant, take us home. Yep. As always, thank you for tuning in here at Scions of the Southland. Uh, you can find Ken uh, on Twitter. You can find him at the AJC and everywhere else in between. Go check out his stuff. He's a great partner uh, and, and friend to us over here. And we really appreciate him coming on. Uh, in terms of finding us, you can find us at fromtherumbleseat.com. You can email us at fromtherumbleseat at gmail.com. Uh, again, we love your comments. We love your suggestions. We love your feedback. Uh, you know, it's how we shape what we do here. So please keep it coming. Uh, if you know anyone uh, who likes good Georgia Tech content, you can share the site with them as well. Uh, we post the podcast there, uh, as well as articles where you can interact with us, check out the rest of the site and, and all the content they're putting out. In terms of Twitter, uh, follow us at FTRS blog on Twitter. I'm at Jake Grant 98 at Jack Nicholas is where you can find Jack. Also take a look at Instagram and at Facebook from the rumble seat uh, on, on, on both of those. Um, and then, uh, yeah, other than that, have a great week. Tune in uh, ESPN two tomorrow to see Georgia tech taking on the folks from Athens. And as always, good night, good luck and uh, go jackets. <laughs>